You're listening to the Unheld in News and Review and Pharisee Watch, brought to you by We Hold These Truths. Each week, we look into the events that are, for the most part, ignored or overlooked by the mainstream media, and we analyze these events. Just as in Jesus' day, Pharisees still walk the earth. Among them today are the celebrity Christians who support wars in the Middle East to protect Israel. In our Pharisee Watch portion of the program, we feature stories about the unchristlike acts of these modern-day Pharisees. Our programs are led by Charles E. Carlson, the founder of We Hold These Truths, and author and editor of the Pharisee Watch, and unheralded news features on our website, whtt.org. Joining Chuck are four other founders of We Hold These Truths. Travis Steele is the owner of Steele Engineering. Mark Horton is the president of Ultra Clean Corporation. Chuck McCollum is the owner of Oakshade Development. And Tom Compton is a retired sales engineer and your announcer. Our reader is We Hold These Truths faithful volunteer and dramatist Leslie Ford. Welcome to our podcast. In today's Pharisee Watch, we're going to discuss something very interesting. I had a suspicion about Christian Zionists, and Chuck has come up with a new theory, if you will, and we want to discuss this after we have Leslie Fort read it for us. Michelle Bachman's Christian Zionism, Epidemic Bubble of Discordant Faith, Charles E. Carlson, July 1, 2011. The wave of Judeo-Christianity, popularly known as Christian Zionism, seems to be a prerequisite for American presidential candidates today. It can best be thought of as an acquired mental illness because it results in discordant actions among those who admit to having it. Unfortunately, some are in public office, and this then becomes the business of each of us. Christian Zionism has grown so large that it is fair to call it a religious bubble and is the number one enabler of the economic and moral dilemma that faces the USA and other North American countries. Most victims of Christian Zionism, like those who develop a tragic eating disorder known as anorexia nervosa, cannot see their illness and need help to recover from it. I am told by professionals who treat them that some anorexic victims will eventually starve themselves to death if not treated, and most are said to resist treatment. It has finally been acknowledged to be a disease even though it is self-induced, and I do not pretend to have a clinical explanation. But I do know what causes Christian Zionism. It is taught, and no one is born with it, but it is a sickness because those who have it cannot see it, nor can most get over it without outside help. It is a social problem because those who have it act in ways that are often discordant with and an anathema to the well-being of the rest of the population in several distinct ways. Christian Zionists cannot see the lack of common sense they portray to others. They overlook multiple Bible inconsistencies taught to them by their spiritual leaders who tell them they are 
beautiful members of God's society and all others are ugly by comparison. What makes Christian Zionism so dangerous is that it is promoted by those who benefit from it politically and by institutionalized recruitment by those who profit from it directly, the leaders. It now infects as much as 33% of USA voters. Anorexia nervosa seems to serve no one, but Christian Zionism serves one important national political end. It enables serial wars that serve the interests of investment bankers, war makers, and the state of Israel. It is, in turn, supported by persons, powers, and a media that would not for a moment believe one word of what Christian Zionists teach. Most obvious among these promoters are the Israeli lobby and the serial war lobby, which overlap. Because Christian Zionism is a mental illness and not a coherent faith, it allows little tolerance nor debate. This is evident from many personal letters and calls I have received since I began writing about it many years ago. One recent reader wrote of the painful and inexplicable separation that developed between himself and two longtime male friends who each distanced themselves from him without a word, no longer returning phone calls or answering emails, over discussion what seemed to him to be normal political questions. My reader finally realized the nerve he had hit without knowing it was Christian Zionism, though he never directly addressed that topic to his friends. Many readers have told us painfully about close family members who stopped communicating once the subject of the state of Israel is broached in religious context, sometimes broken over a single off-handed statement. My own family was characterized by heated partisan political arguments about Democrats and Republicans at family gatherings, but these did not drive the family apart. Rather, it brought a vitality to gatherings that drew them back together at every opportunity. The arguments were strident but instructional and thought-shaping for younger onlookers. Some of us looked forward to maturity when our views might be heard in these family harangues. But no such honing of views can exist in a setting where even one Christian Zionist is present. Far from creating kinship and love within the family, it creates separation. Most Republican Party candidates appear to cater to them, even if they are not themselves Judeo-Christians, because so many votes are at stake. Michelle Bachman from Minnesota is said to be a serious candidate for U.S. president and is a living example of a discordant and bizarre thinker, but she will resonate with some 70 million Americans who are known to be influenced by the Judeo-Christian illness. Here are some of her words from her own website that should be carefully examined. Quote, most Americans recognize that Israelis and Americans are two sides of the same coin because we share the same values. We even share the same mission, to be a light to the nations, unquote. Quote, we learned that our Christian faith is rooted in Judaism. 
without the law of Moses, without the temple at Jerusalem, there would have been no sermon on the mount, unquote. Quote, it was this love for Israel and the Jewish state that brought me to volunteer for a kibbutz in 1974, unquote. Quote, upholding American values means we must stand with Israel. I stand with Israel. Our policies in the Middle East must be guided by this imperative, unquote. It should be clear to all but other Christian Zionists that Bachman cannot function in a national office under oath because her first commitment is to another flag, not to the USA, to another people, not to Americans first. Other irrational beliefs common to and defining Christian Zionists that she might or might not admit to and that are incompatible with following a traditional Jesus Christ include, quote, wars are just if they are Israel's wars, unquote. Quote, the present world will be destroyed by God to punish the evildoers, and the Christ followers will be saved and ushered into a spiritual kingdom, the rest left behind, unquote. Quote, the state of Israel is God's fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecies, Jesus too, unquote. This bubble is about to burst, as all bubbles do. Fortunately for the Americans, Judeo-Christianity is coming apart at the seams from its own weaknesses. Next time, the end of Judeo-Christianity based on a study by the Pew Forum. Thank you, Leslie. Chuck, that was a very provocative Pharisee watch. What do you have to say for yourself? Well, let's talk about these uh, things that we did not, I did not address in the story, the, sort of the self-evident of falsehoods. We, we have this word self-evident truths from our Declaration of Independence, things that we feel are so obviously true that we don't need to even discuss them, such as all men are created equal endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, uh, life, right to life, so on. We're supposedly don't have to even think about these things. We know that they're true without even arguing about them. And we also have these self-evident frauds or self-evident falsehoods, such as those Michelle Bachman spouted to us, bang, 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 here. The first one, most Americans recognize that Israel and America are two sides to the same coin because we share the same values. Let me stop right there. What's wrong with that statement? We can't, we can't share the same values because we don't share the same religious background at all. Americans, at least the ones Michelle Bachman is talking about, are supposedly followers of Christ. Israel, Israelis, of course, totally deny, laugh at, jeer, and would never even, most would not even acknowledge that Jesus Christ ever even lived. So how can we possibly opposite hmm. sides of the same coin sharing the same but value? They don't believe Jesus is the Messiah either. If, if they do believe that he lives, they don't believe he's the Messiah. Mm-hmm. Right. They have varying beliefs, but I think the majority of Israelis probably would say it's a, it's a myth, he never existed. But they will say Moses existed. They don't believe in Moses either, really. They only know that the writings of Moses are the are the internal workings of their 
uh, of what they practice as a religion or say as a religion. What about we even share the same mission to be a light to the, quote, nations? Well, aren't we the nations? <laughs> the light to the nations meant Jesus or Paul, I think, or was he? Was it Paul who was the light to the to the Gentiles, the nations, mm-hmm. or was Jesus the light to the nations? In any case, it certainly was not. Jesus was the light of the world. Light of the world. Yeah, I think it's she's Paul. quoting somebody when she says "light to the nations," but obviously, the Jews are not a light to the nations. They're a glimmer of darkness in a in a tomb. <laughs> so the the statement itself. It really goes out beyond description of being silly when you stop and think about it. There isn't a single thing. Can somebody think of something in some way that Americans are like Israelis? Well, I would say they are because just look at what the United States has been doing with the wars, serial wars that we've been Okay, so we're like the men like... that were at war all the time. <laughs> right, exactly. They make war on the, uh, the Palestinians. You look at what happened in Gaza. Over two years ago, the atrocities, you look at what they're doing to try to stop uh, flotilla aid ships going into into uh, Gaza as we speak. So they're, both countries are somewhere in that respect, I, I think. There's some similarity there. But I, I think what Chuck's point is, is before we were corrupted. Yes. We right, weren't. based on those principles, exactly, right. yes. Well, Tom has given a very good tongue-in-cheek answer, and the problem is we have become too much like the Israelis. We've become very much like them, having more values at all times, and getting closer and closer to things like abortion on demand, which they already have had for years, and they don't even think anything of it. The idea of respect for human life, uh, there is no respect for the human life of a Palestinian in Israel. And the truth is, when they get home, they don't have much respect for their own lives either. Suicide rates are high and so on, so... So much for part one. Anybody have anything to add to? Well, uh, she made the statement, we learned that our Christian faith is rooted in Judaism. Christianity is rooted in the new covenant, the new, which Jesus was the fulfillment of what came before. And that certainly wasn't Judaism. It was something called Israelitism. We learn our Christian faith is rooted in Christ only. The stories and history of those who led up to the birth of Christ, are basically just a chronology. It would be equivalent to saying that we hold these truths as rooted in Swedish culture because Chuck Carlson has an ancestor in Stockholm, something like that. Well, without the laws of Moses, without the temple at Jerusalem, there would have been no Sermon on the Mount. How about that first day? Jesus needed the temple in order to deliver God's message to us? no. It's true, he did go to the temple to draw a crowd, but if there wouldn't have been a temple, I think Leslie said before the show, Jesus would have still delivered his message. He would have, he would have still given the Sermon on the Mount, regardless of where, I'm sure. Yep, he would have found a place to give the sermon. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So the statement is another one of those, what do we call it, falsehood that does not require... Uh, ex- that was double speak in the words double- of George Orwell. Then she goes on to talk about her own visit to the kibbutz, which uh, caused her to become, uh, brought her to be alive. So that's her own testimony. Then finally, upholding American values means we must stand with Israel. I, this is Michelle Bachman speaking. I stand with Israel. Our policies, meaning United States policies, and she is the United States congressman from Minnesota right now, 
and wants to be the president, our policy in the Middle East must be guided by this imperative. What imperative? That we must stand with Israel no matter what? What do you think of that? How do you compare that? How, do you, how does that square with, with her oath of office? Well, it's contrary, but of course most congressmen ignore their congressional uh, oath. I remember when we lived in Colorado and went to the local congressman, and somebody asked him how he voted on things, and they asked him if he used the Constitution as a guide. And he said, oh, no, if we used the Constitution, we couldn't get anything done. That's hmm. the point. That's the point, yeah. <laughs> the problem is we're getting too much done. Right. Mark, do you yeah. want to make any comments? Well, yeah, I, I do take issue with the idea that, I mean, the temple was absolutely essential to God's plan of redemption. And uh, there would, I mean, Jesus came as the fulfillment of the temple, onto the temple. It was absolutely imperative. I believe that statement that she made was correct, even though all the subsequent ones were were dead wrong. Okay, so Mark's taking issue with the temple. and it, Yeah, and it shows that I've done a very poor job here. Well, it's the lineage it provided, as Chuck has pointed out in the past. We wouldn't even give a hang about Abraham if he hadn't provided the lineage for the coming of Jesus Christ. Well, I, I have to take issue with that as well, because he he is the father of the faithful. He is he is the uh, he is actually the proof that all nations are now welded together into the body of Christ, and he's used to illustrate that point by many writers throughout the Bible, from Genesis well, all the way to the end. That, just about. Yeah, that can all be debated, and I and I don't and I don't really take an issue with Mark in talking about the importance of the history. But what's that got to do with the Jewish people today and Israelis today? They had absolutely nothing to do with anything in Abraham's time or in Jesus' time either. Right, and, and on that we all agree. Therefore, yes. And therefore you see her statement, the ludicrousness of her statement, comes from the fact that she's equating everything that went on in Abraham's time to the American, to the American Jews and the Israeli Jews of today. And we've said over and over again, and I think shown pretty adequately, that there is no, there's no commonality among them. They, they can't even show a drop of lineage to anybody. Their claim is just one of convenience, and their claim that they are sons of Abraham is made without even believing in most cases in Abraham. Eighty-five percent of them probably would say, "Well, he never lived either." At least Christians do believe, for the most part, that Abraham was real. But most Jews, if you take them aside, especially the Reformed Jews, and ask them if they believe in an afterlife, they'll say, no, it's over here. That's why we work so damned hard here. First thing they'll tell you. And uh, that's why we do so well. We know we got to do it now. And I've had friends who've told me exactly that. And there may be a few temple Jews in, in Israel who actually claim they believe in an afterlife, but the Sadducees didn't even believe that in Jesus' time, as I recall. So the idea of a Jewish faith today that somehow links up with Abraham and so on is why Bachman is so completely screwed up and why she can't possibly straighten her head out unless she is willing to understand and admit that today's Jews have nothing to do with the history's Israelites. Anybody got a comment on that? Well, no, that's the lie that's repeated over and over again. And just it's it's repeated so boldly that it's just assumed to be true without even providing any evidence that it's true. Well, we haven't answered these questions, and so I'm really glad you brought this, this statement up because when we write our response, 
our next edition to this, we need to actually explain to people what it is wrong with Bachman's statements because they don't know. They could read these statements and they might not, they might even, most people might even agree with them. They're, they're self-evident falsehoods to us, but to John Q. Public, they're not self-evident falsehoods. They're, to 70 million people at least, seem very logical. you have anything to add? Well, that's the challenge that we hold these truths is made about the state of Israel being God's fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecies. Yes, we stated that, and believe it or not, the Pew Foundation, who takes these wonderful polls that we now depend on, uses our test to determine who is an evangelical. And they asked in a very important poll that they just did that I'll be writing about this week, in which they concluded that Judeo-Christianity, they called it evangelicalism, is failing, especially in the USA. They used that very statement at this meeting of evangelicals in South Africa. And uh, I think 52% of the people they asked said they did believe that the state of Israel is the fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecies, and about 24% said no, it wasn't. So among evangelicals, there were a significant percentage that, that, that would not accept this statement, which is, which is good. Any, any other uh, thoughts, anyone? Well, I think that was a lively discussion, and we'll look forward to the next installment, Chuck. Thanks for listening. Be sure to tell a friend about our podcast. And please visit our website, whtt.org. You will find a wealth of information and resources like the latest Pharisee Watch and unheralded news articles. Also, you can order our new video, Christian Zionism, The Tragedy and the Turning, Part 1. Even though this video is copyrighted, we don't mind if you copy it as long as you copy all of it. Then you can educate your friends and acquaintances about the dangers of Christian Zionism. Start small, think big, and press on toward the straight gate.